Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word, thee which goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. Amen. I want to say that God has placed upon our heart a passage of scripture from John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. And when this passage began taunting and teasing me, I, I really thought that I could preach it in one setting. And the more it turned over in my heart and my head, I realize I would not be able to do all of it today. But John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19 is the passage. And I know we will have at least one more sermon, perhaps two more on this passage. Let's read together. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, thou lovest me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Loveth thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I have loved thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walk whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hand, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. I want to preach today. The subject is the blessing beyond the brokenness. The blessing beyond the brokenness. By all accounts, this is one of the most touching, one of the most endearing, one of the most intimate scenes in all of scripture. In fact, it was an interesting study alone just to review how the various translations attempted to caption and to describe what happens in this passage and its larger context. The New American Standard Bible calls this section the love motivation. J.B. Phillips' modern translation Describe this interaction between the Lord and Peter 
as a risen Jesus and Peter. The New International Version, which many of you uh, read and study, simply says that Jesus reinstates Peter. The Williams translation of the New Testament describes this as Jesus prepares breakfast, exhorts his disciples. The New Living Translation says Jesus challenges Peter. The Open Bible, one of my favorites, the King James Version says, feed my sheep. And the Contemporary English Version describes this as Jesus and Peter. The title that we have posed to you, the title that we position to you, represents realities that I believe are foundational and fundamental to the experience of the Christian life. There is three B's that are significant in this title, and they are blessing, beyond, and brokenness. And weave together and interface together in this title, it suggests that there is blessing beyond brokenness. I doubt that any of us, if we were polled, would deny the fact that we are blessed. If you so choose to do that, it would be a hard case to prove. Because just the fact that you could open your mouth and form the words that you don't think you're blessed means that you are. And I would doubt that any of us would in some way contest while we might be guarded with our privacy, we might be intentional with maintaining a certain degree of confidentiality. There probably are none of us here present who would not say that at some season in our lives, at some point, at some place, in some circumstances, in some situation, we did not experience some brokenness. In fact, perhaps there's someone who have arrived here today. While you're smiling on the outside, you're broken on the inside. Whether blessed or broken, we all have to recognize that this is not all that God wants to do with us. Because there's still a beyond your and my best days, if you are blessed, are not behind us, but are in front of us. Because the word of God says, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what the Lord hath prepared for them that love. And if you're struggling, if you are dealing with brokenness, if you're dealing with disappointment, I want you to know, too, that that is not the last word. Because beyond the brokenness, beyond the immediate situation, beyond the present pain, God can still work it out. There's a wonderful phrase in the Word of God. Every time I read it, it encourages me. It says, and it came to pass. Trouble don't last always. And it came to pass. God has a way of putting stop payments on our trouble. And when he says enough is enough, God begins to move. So someone may be here today in a broken situation, but beyond that brokenness, there is a blessing. We look at this text, we look at its larger context, and we see that there is blessing beyond our brokenness. Our title interfaces these realities and reminds us that they are fundamental to the Christian journey. They're fundamental to the experience of life as we know it. I have 
been reading a wonderful book, and it's the third book by this particular author that I have interacted with, David Wells, who is a profound theologian and professor. He wrote in the first book I read, No Place for Truth. He followed it with a volume called God in the Wasteland, and now he has written a book called Above All Earthly Hour, and he talks about how in our world, because of what he calls the plasticity of life. When there is no controlling center, when God is no longer the center of our joy, life becomes broken and brittle and plastic. And some folk are just living out their lives, trying to get through the pressures that have become so much a part of our experience of life on this planet. And so when we look at this passage, there are moving carrots and major corridors of thoughts and meaning that remind us that Peter experienced blessing beyond his brokenness. And there's three things that happened to him, and this is why I'm going to only focus on one today because I can't preach all of this in one sermon. But first of all, he experienced blessing beyond brokenness because his past was redeemed. In the midst of his brokenness, his past was redeemed, his passion was rekindled, and his purpose in life was renewed. I want to look at the first of these today. When we read this passage, the encounter that the Lord has with Peter, it's important for us to realize that it was an encounter that the Lord arranged for Peter's benefit. Now, the other apostles benefited from it, the fellowship and the interaction, but when we read the passage and we see the movements and we see the uniqueness of it and the particular things that the Lord mentioned, it was arranged for Peter's benefit. So much of what happens in this 21st chapter is designed to prod and to promote Peter's remembrance of the past. What are you talking about, Pastor? First of all, the miraculous catch of fish. Again, in chapter 21, if you read it in context, there was a miraculous catch of fish. Reminded Peter of his call, and then the Lord telling him, no longer will you be just a fisherman, but you will be a fisherman of men. And then there was the fire that the Lord built on the shore and invited them to come and have a meal with them. Certainly the fire reminded him of the time when he warmed himself, warmed his hands by the enemy's fire and denied that he knew the Lord. And isn't it interesting that there were three denials? But there's also in this passage three questions. There is a question that is almost a verbatim, almost an exact quote of what Peter said the first time he brought it up about how the other disciples would leave him. And he would say, he says, Peter, do you really love me more than these? And then, interestingly, he doesn't call him Peter. He uses the word Simon. And Simon was a name that he had before the Lord gave him the surname Peter. All of this designed to somehow reconnect Peter with his past. If we're going to move from brokenness to blessedness, we do have to reconnect with our past failures. Sometimes we can't enjoy the 
sequels of life because we haven't totally resolved the prequels of life. We can't enjoy what God is doing right now because we're still dealing with issues from yesterday. And so in this passage, the Lord begins to deal with Peter because Peter is overcome with guilt. And when the Lord got up, he acknowledged that there was going to be a special addition. There was going to be a special encounter with Peter because he says, tell my disciples and Peter, meet me in Galilee. When you read the first chapter of the Gospel of John, we're looking at chapter 21, but in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, one of the first recorded encounters with Peter and his brother Andrew occurs on the heels of a question that was prompted by John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God. Jesus came down to the river Jordan. He's going to be baptized by John in the Jordan. And as he sees Jesus coming, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And apparently Andrew and Peter and some of the other disciples who would become apostles were associated with the ministry of John the Baptist. Andrew came and asked the question of the Lord. He says, where dwellest thou? And then he went and found his brother Peter and brought him to the Lord. But if you read further, the Lord calls Philip, and then Philip goes to get Nathaniel. And in chapter 1, it says, the Lord says to Nathaniel that you are indeed an Israelite with honesty. In other words, with integrity. And he says, why do you say that, Lord? He says, before Philip called you, I saw you under the tree. Not only should we ask the question, where does the Lord dwell? But we ought to be encouraged today that the Lord knows our domicile. He knows our residence. He knows our occupancy. Wherever we are, people may not know where you are. But the Lord knows where we live. And what's beautiful about the Gospels is the Gospels are the story of how the Lord came to find us where we are. In the wonderful prologue to the Gospel of John, the writer John says, The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Well, the law, if you read in Exodus, Moses went up to the mountain. The people were so traumatized and so terrorized by all the thundering and the lightning. They said, Moses, you go up and you speak for us. And Moses went up to the mountain of God. But the gospel, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. God comes down. He leaves his throne in glory. And in the person of Jesus Christ, the word became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Whatever you are feeling today, wherever you are on that spectrum between brokenness and blessedness, God knows your location. It may be something that you cannot tell your closest friend or the most intimate family member, but God knows where we are. And not only does he know where we are, he knows where to find us. In fact, this text will suggest that he will arrange an encounter just for you and just for me. 
Isn't it good to know today that the Lord will come and see about us? And that failure and brokenness is not the last word. All of the questions, all of the particulars of this encounter were designed to remind Peter that he didn't have to fall backwards. But he could do, and I like the phrase that John Maxwell uses, you don't have to fail or fall backwards. You can fail forward. Lord meets us where we are. And when you're experiencing brokenness, it's wonderful to know that trouble does not last always. How does the Lord redeem our past? As he does with Peter, up close and personal through his incarnational presence. The Lord shows up in our lives and he touches us where we are. I want to give you two illustrations of that today. First of all, in 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha, the great prophet of Israel, there was a Shunammite woman whom, whose home he visited. She and her husband extended kindness and courtesy to the prophet. One of the things that she desired and her husband desired was to have a child. And then when the Lord blessed them with favor, blessed them with a child, this child took ill. And then the word was sent to the prophet that my son is ill. My son is dead. She laid him in a loft. She laid him in his room on the bed. And you know what happened? The prophet Elisha sent his messenger, his servant to the house, and then he arrived. But then in a beautiful symbolism, you know what he did? When he walked into the room, he, he did what I believe the Lord does in our experiences. He stretched out. And on the child, Elisha the prophet laid, he covered him. The boy sneezed and came back to life. The Lord will move into your situation. And when he moves, he'll move closer than any earthly hand can do He'll move stronger than any earthly power can will because he knows where we are and he knows what we need. There's a wonderful story. Dr. Richard Seltzer tells it in his book, Mortal Lessons, about a woman. A woman who had a tumor, malignant tumor on her cheek. And the surgeon had to cut it off. But in order to get this malignancy off of her face, he had to sever one of the small facial nerves. And what happened is it left her palsied and paralyzed. Seltzer in his book, Mortal Lessons, talk about what happened during a post-operative visit. When the surgeon walked in the room to talk to the patient and the husband was there. And the woman looked up at him, having seen her face. She said, will it always be this way? And her face was disfigured. And the doctor, with regret in his heart, said, yes, it will. But before that sinner ceased resonating in the room, the husband went over to the bed. And he kneeled down next to his wife. And the doctor said he saw something that blessed his heart so much. He says the husband began contouring his lips, shaping his mouth so that he could sit his mouth on his wife's mouth and give her a kiss. As I closed, I thought about where in the Word of God did God shape his essential being? 
his revelatory manifestation to meet us at our point of need, to meet us at our brokenness. And I heard the psalmist say, mercy and truth met together and righteousness and peace kissed each other. I said this morning in a kind of imaginative dialogue with the word, I said, when did that happen? When did mercy and truth meet together? When did righteousness and peace kiss each other? It did not happen on Mount Sinai amidst the thunderings and the lightnings and the terror and the trauma that the people experienced. It did not happen among the carnage of Mount Carmel. It did not happen at the Red Sea. It did not happen in a fiery furnace. But on a hill, on a hill called Calvary, Jesus had come down through 42 generations. And on a hill called Calvary, mercy and truth, not only the truth about us, but the truth about God met together. And on that hill, peace and righteousness kiss one another. There's a blessing beyond the brokenness because God knows where we are. And God will come down and he will twist his revelatory essence and move into our experience and meet us at our point of knees, and he'll bless us. And one of the things he'll do is redeem us from the past. He'll allow us to jettison the guilt, jettison the anger, jettison the confusion, so we can receive what he has for us right now. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.